Is Larry here? There he is. I've asked Larry to come up and give us a, a quick uh, a reporting on his trip down to Washington, D.C. Larry, you can turn it down just a little bit, William. I've got to bring this way up. Whoops. Thank you. So, um, anyway, so I went to uh, two events last week. Number four. Is it on? Hello? There it is. Yeah, I guess I got to speak into it. Okay, so I went to two events uh, last week at the Washington Mall. I went with a group from uh, Calvary Chapel in uh, Fitchburg, Mass, where uh, your daughter uh, is that yeah. and uh, so that was fun uh, the main thing is is that uh, uh, God was really really uh, being um, uh, moving in Washington so I wanted to just tell you a little bit about what I found out and uh, what happened um, so there was two different events uh, both on Saturday totally independent events that were not planned together. Uh, God moved in two different groups' hearts and, and they put these things together. So the return was a 12-hour uh, presentation uh, for repentance and uh, returning to God. Uh, they had 40 some odd speakers and probably a hundred more people that got up and prayed and different things. Hmm. It was really awesome. The theme was Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and that says, "If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways." then I will hear uh, from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So um, uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, the prayer march was on one end of the Washington Mall, which is about two miles long, and the, uh, the return was on the other end. So we spent the first uh, four to five hours at the return and then went up to the Lincoln Memorial to start the prayer march. And uh, uh, Mike Pence was, uh, spoke at the, uh, and prayed at the uh, Lincoln Memorial and from there they went on to other monuments and really wasn't a march as much as walking around to different areas and then praying. Mm. Uh, it ended up that people were praying individually and in small groups, not the whole thing together. There's probably 100,000 people that went to the, the uh, prayer march and about 40,000 went to the return. So it was a lot of people. Uh, it showed that we're not alone. Uh, there are plenty of other Christians out there that are praying for our country. Mm -hmm. And repentance was the big, uh, the big deal. 
Um, so individually, they ask that we start uh, praying and seeking repentance prior to the event. And then at the event, uh, it was interesting because we learned of different things that I didn't even know that I was sinning in, the, in omission by not thinking and, and helping uh, other groups like uh, prison ministries and uh, ministries that help the, uh, the persecuted Christians in other countries. So there's a lot uh, of things that are going on. You, you don't even think of the things that you're not uh, um, thinking about. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, it, was, it was substantial uh, and it was um, really God. God was there in everything. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that because two different groups had the same vision to do the same thing on the same day. And the one group had it, uh, it during the, uh, the 10 days of a Jewish festival. Uh, and I don't remember all those details, but it was really amazing. So anyway, God gets the glory. Mm. Amen, amen. Why don't we take a minute now and pray for our country? If, if there was ever a time we needed to pray for our country, it's now, right? And uh, we, I was just thinking, you know, we had this huge prayer event, and I know that, you know, people, you know, hundreds of, you know, thousands of people were praying. And then this week, look what happened this week. It's like, Lord, what is going on? What are you doing here? Because that's why, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding because we don't really understand a lot of these things that are going on. But there is a battle. There is a war. There is uh, stuff going on that we can't see or even know. But we have to trust God no matter what. Let's pray. Father, I have in heaven, we thank you that Larry got to go and we... And, uh, represent us, really, and, and uh, to seek your face, Lord. Um, we, we, we know that you heard those prayers, and you hear our prayers even now for our country, Lord. You'd have mercy on us that we would return to you and, and repent and, and call upon your name, and, and we pray that you would have your way in our, in our country, Lord, that you would bring us back to a, a place of, of uh, spiritual uh, life and and that we would uh, know you in, in all of our ways here in this country, Lord. So we, we do just, uh, Father, again, we, we trust you. We can't, we can't understand it all, but we trust you and we look to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, if you would, please. John chapter 15, last week we talked about, you know, the fact that there is a war going on, but greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world, and, and that is by the Holy Spirit that he's given to us, that he lives within us. It's an important uh, thing for us to know and, and remember that God has given us his spirit. The enemy has no power over Jesus, and because we have the spirit of God living within us, he has no power over over us as well. Uh, he has plans, he has purposes, he has schemes, he has arrows that he shoots, he has all these things, but 
You and I need to stand. And how do we do that? We, we do it with the whole armor of God. We, we don't give him any footholds. We resist him. We stand against him. Today, uh, moving into chapter 15, we, did, we finished chapter 14, move into chapter 15. And today what I want to talk about is this. Fruit. How many of you like fruit? You know, you, that thing, you got to eat your fruits and vegetables when you're a kid, you know, and, and your parents tell you all that. And, and, uh, but there, there are people, you know, I can understand not liking vegetables, but how could you not like fruit, right? I mean, I like sweet fruit. I don't really like tart fruit or sour fruit. Some people just love that. They, they just say, oh, yeah, I got to have it like that. But, but you know, fruit... Uh, they will tell you, I guess if you eat too much of certain kinds of fruits, maybe it's not good for you. But, but all in all, your fruits and vegetables, they're good for you, right? Fruit is good. But Jesus starts talking about fruit in a different sort of light here today, is that God wants to bring fruit from our lives. He wants to bring fruit out of our lives. So how, the question is, how does he do that? How can that happen? Can, can we manufacture fruit? Can we make it happen? Let's read what Jesus has to say about it here in John chapter 15. We're going to read the verses and we'll come back and, and talk about it. John chapter 15, in verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, Jesus speaking, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes or cleanses so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me or abide in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then jump down to verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. He wants us to bear fruit. So before we talk about how it happens, let's, let's ask the question, what is this fruit that he's talking about? He's, are we going to start to see, you know, bananas and apples start pop, popping out of the, you know, the, our, our limbs and that kind of thing? That would, that would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? And then they would call us fruitcakes because we would be so weird. But, but what, is, what is some of the fruit? I think there are a few passages I want to look at. Number one, Galatians chapter 5 he says the fruit of the Spirit. And again, we talked about the Spirit of God living within us. He says the fruit of the Spirit, and he names these nine different things. Love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Any of you want that kind of fruit in your life? I know I do, but that's why I read them kind of slow, because we kind of look at them, and how many of, how many of you can say, yeah, I got that, that's coming out of my life right now. I got that kind of fruit coming out of my life. But Jesus said it, he wants us to bear fruit. It's good for us to bear fruit, even more fruit, much fruit. And Paul talks about it in Ephesians. He says, you were once darkness. We talked about this last week where he says, you know, we used to follow the boss of this world. Now we're following a different boss. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light for the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. The fruit, the fruit of the light, Jesus is the light living with us, results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And, and one more found in uh, Philippians chapter 1, he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes where, how? Through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This pretty much sums up what Jesus was talking about here in John chapter 15. The, the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. How do we do that? How do we have this fruit? I want all this fruit. How does it, how does it come about? It comes through Jesus Christ, but how does that happen? practically for you and for me it's a big question jesus said it we read there i'm the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and i in you you will bear much fruit this word remain it's translated abide in some versions does does the fruit again does it when you think about fruit on a tree does it does it just kind of have to really work it coming out of that branch? When you think about the apple on your tree, we have, a, we have an apple tree in our garden. We, we cut it really back really far this year. But, but, you know, fruit, and somebody pointed this out, fruit just kind of hangs there, right? It doesn't do a lot. It just hangs there. But it, it hangs there and it's attached, you see. And the vine sends out the life-giving sap and everything that the, that the fruit needs to grow. The gardener comes and he takes care of it. So all in all, what, what happens is for the fruit to come out of our lives, it's, it must come from him. Our fruit has to come from him. Because in and of ourselves, there, there's no way we're going to have that fruit. It's just not going to happen. This word for abide, it, it also means to live. But I think some of the ideas that, that, that come, definitions that come from this word means, to, means this, to stay close to him. To remain, Jesus says, remain in me. Stay close to me. To have this union, to have this fellowship with him. Really what it comes out of is this. It's a, a, it comes out of a living, a vital living relationship with Jesus. That's where fruit's going to come. That's where the fruit will 
be brought forth in our lives. So the question kind of gets back, well, there's no fruit in my life or there is fruit, fruit in my life. The question always gets back to this. What is our relationship with him like? He says, abide in me, remain in me, live in me, walk close to me. So we have to ask the question, and I think we should, what is my relationship with Jesus really like? What is it really like? Is there fruit coming out of it? Do I really have a close relationship, a, a walk, a close walk with him? I remember that old hymn. I, I, it just comes back to mind, just a closer walk with thee. How many of you remember that song? It's old, but what a great song. Uh, Granted, Jesus is my plea, daily walking close to thee. Let it be. That's the Beatles song. It's older than the Beatles, isn't it? Makes more sense, too. Uh, just a closer walk with thee. This is, the, this is the heart. Jesus is saying, you need a close walk with me. You want fruit coming out of your life. So that's the question. What is my walk with him? What's my relationship like with him? If I want that fruit that we put up on the screen, if I want that fruit in my life, I, I need to be walking with Jesus. That's the only way it's going to come about. So looking back at the verses here, he says, I am the vine, I'm the true vine, my father is a gardener, and he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. So you have to look at that, and people, there are some different ideas, this and also verse 6, you know, but one commentator says this about that part, that those who bear no fruit are like the dead branches of a vine. They say they're disciples, but they have no spiritual union with him. And gives the example of Judas. So if there's no fruit, if there's no fruit whatsoever, maybe, maybe we're not really disciples. Maybe we're not really connected to Jesus. But one day it'll become clear. If people are true disciples, they will prove it by fruit. But then he goes on to say, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And, and this word prunes is the, is the word, uh, the Greek word where we get our word for cathartic or catharsis, which means kind of a cleansing kind of thing, right? And, and, and so, he, so he says that the gardener, the father, he, he prunes it, he cleanses it. Why? So that it would become more fruitful. You and I, if we're truly connected uh, to, the, to the Lord and, and, there, and he wants to bring this fruit in our lives, he will, he will do what's necessary in our lives to bring more fruit. Because as we saw later in the, in the verses, it, it brings glory to the Father. So the Father's going to work to increase that fruitfulness in our lives. And, and sometimes it takes that cutting back. Sometimes it takes really, you know, scrubbing that plan or doing what needs to be done that the fruitfulness will come. Verse 3, he says, though you are already clean, you're, you're already clean to some degree, and it reminds us of, of you know, Jesus speaking to, to Judas, and he's, or speaking about Judas, he says to the rest of them, you are already clean, but not every one of you. Speaking about Judas, but he says to them, you're already clean, because how? Look at verse 3, he says, how are you cleaned? How are you pr pruned? He says, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Later he says, you know, remain in me and my words remain in you. How does he, how does he 
how does that process take place? And, and I think this is something I, I bring up an awful lot, and I think it's because it's just so important. This pruning, this cleansing, it comes through the Word. It comes through the Scripture. He wants to bring forth more fruit in our lives, and, and so he'll, he'll speak to us. He will use His Word in our lives. He'll point out different things. Jesus said in John 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's how we get set apart. That's how we are cleansed and, and pruned and brought to that place of more, uh, more fruitfulness. Some of you may be reminded of Ephesians chapter 5 where husbands are called to love uh, our wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy. But then it also says this, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. There's this, there's this cleansing that takes place through the word of God. Gets back to our relationship. Do we have this relationship with the Lord? And are we in the word? Is the scripture a daily part of our lives? Not just a little bit on Sunday. I'm going to hear and listen for a half an hour. Or maybe tune the radio in for a little bit and hear a little bit more. Is it a daily, uh, you know, Part of our walk in our lives. Verse 4, he said, No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain or abide in the vine. And the only way for you and I to have fruit is to be connected. Connected to the vine and letting that life of Jesus kind of flow through us and come out. That's the only way that it's going to happen. He says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, I, I mentioned this. He says, if a man or if anyone does not remain in me is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, they're thrown into the fire and they're burned. You say, well, who is he talking about there? There's no fruit and there's no abiding. So I, I, my personal opinion that he's talking about people who are not true believers and, because he's already said that true believers will never perish. There are three different views. I'll just throw them out there for you. you uh, number one, uh, people think that they're talking about true believers who end up in hell for lack of abiding in fruit. The second one, as I just mentioned, those who appear to be disciples but never really abide in Jesus. And number three is a different one, those that are are, are really disciples, but they have no fruit, who, who basically live wasted lives. And, and they, this passage doesn't refer to eternal destiny. I think in a principle that's true, because in 1 Corinthians 3 says that, you know, whatever we build with, in the end the fire will show it to be what it is. But I, I think personally that this passage speaking about those that, are, that appear to be disciples maybe even go to church, maybe, you know, say they're Christians, say they're believers, but they're not really, really abiding, not really connected, not really part of the life of Jesus. But verse 8, this is, a, I think, so important. He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves 
to be my disciples. I think that kind of confirms that, that view as well. He says, when you have fruit and, and, and fruit comes through being connected to Jesus and abiding in him, it gives the Father glory, but it also proves, it shows that we are disciples. We really are disciples. It proves it. But this fruit, it, it, the glory goes to, to him and not to us, to honor him and, and praise him. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, by their fruit you will recognize them. That's how people are going to know that we truly are disciples. Jesus said it as well. If you, you know, have love one for another, people will know. Love is a fruit of the Spirit, right? So people will know that we are truly his disciples by the fruit that comes out of our lives. So this idea of fruit is so important, but, but you know, how do we get it? We abide. We remain in the vine. Pastor Chuck said, you know, that our life comes from Jesus. He is our source for life and fruit. And so he says we need to hang in there and abide in Christ. And that's part of, of this relationship that we have. David Guzik said we need, we need complete dependence and constant connection with Jesus. Does it matter our choices in life? You know, our choices, the choices that we make are so, so very important. It's a choice to abide in Jesus. It's a choice to be connected with him daily. It's a choice we make. Am I going to take that time each and every day? And he's not standing over us, you know, like with a, a stick to hit us if we don't spend time with him, you know, today. It's not like that. He just wants to spend time. But for you and I, 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 like I said, I want fruit in my life. I, 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 I want those fruits, the fruit of the Holy Spirit to, to, to be in my life. And, 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 but, but it's only going to come by abiding, by having this constant connection. This moment by moment connection with him. Someone said this, the, the, the things that make it up are prayer where we're speaking to him, the word of God we've talked about. Fellowship, that's also important to, to have this constant contact, living in touch with Christ, moment by moment. That's where the fruit's going to come. I can't make it happen. I've tried, you know, I've tried in my life, but, but, but you know, it's going to come where, where we, uh, we be still and know that he's God, where we quiet ourselves before him, where we take, we take the time to, to truly, truly know him. The greatest thing in all of life is knowing him. And we can know him more. We can know him better. That's what he wants. That's what brings the Father glory to bring that fruit. Can we pray together? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come and we, we thank you for your word, Lord, that that does speak to us, that does challenge us, that, that works in our lives and in our hearts, and, and uh, it, it cleanses us, it prunes us to, that we might bear more fruit. The fruit that would give you glory, Father, the fruit that would last, lasting fruit. Father, I want that in my life. I really do. I want more fruit. I want the fruit that you came to give. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want all those things, Father.